Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Route, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, J.C. Cole, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between food producers and food consumers. And we've been addressing them right at 20 years now. So I think they're just about all gone. J.C. Cole being part of the solution to help get rid of those problems. How's J.C.? Uh, J.C. is okay. I also had a productive week. Um, I ended up uh, uh, picking up my freeze uh, food. Freeze oh, you got that, huh? Yes, I got it. Got it. And uh, um, and it is. You got chicks uh, in your room with you now? No, that's my phone text messaging back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> you have a chick as your your sound your ringtone. It, it, it's it's a chicken thing yes <laughs> you automatically are programmed it's a chicken thing. right <laughs> although i do have although i do have chicks in the background in the other room um we over the week we had um what do i got um 50 50 baby chickens um so and it's still a little cold out here uh, it was 40 degrees this morning and and uh so you know, you, you don't put weak old birds out when it's that cold. Have you sorted the, the little males from the females? <laughs> no, not even close. Yeah. Are you keeping uh, them away from the news so they don't get some gender identity crisis? Yes, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, although I did find, find something out that not many people point out people keep on saying okay you can't put too many roosters you know uh, together and that's not necessarily true um you can't put too many roosters together when you have hens yes uh, can imagine that the boys will fight when women are around <laughs> so this may not be related to anything but it's it's fascinating for me who i continually am a student of animal behavior when I was in Ireland, I went to this covered feedlot, the biggest feedlot in all of Ireland, cattle feed yard, and they had 5,000 intact male bulls that they were feeding. And it was just like, oh, my goodness, how do you have this many males, intact males that you're feeding? We, we would never do that. And, and he brought up something that because I just never had any experience with it. I never thought about it. And then I saw the same thing with boars in England. When you had, you just nailed it. When there were no females around, these bulls in their hierarchy all got along. And in fact, you could have 50 and you would be in better shape than if you had three. Three is always the worst possible number because two gang up on one and it's just it's just a wreck. But when they are just in their contemporary groups, the males are all fine. It's the, it's yeah, either one or two things, JC. If you have a female or if you put another male in that contemporary group, you got a disaster. Yes. Um, it's, it's basically a fraternity. Yeah, that's a <laughs> and, great analogy. Yeah. And so what happened was uh, a couple of years ago, I, I hatched my own. I was testing on, you know, experimenting on hatching, and I had like 250 birds, of which about half were uh, roosters and half were hens. 
And so I just watched them grow. And that's a terrible combination or a ratio for the hens. Um, uh, it's one to one. And eventually the hens were starting to die because they were being um, uh, basically molested by the roosters. You have to have a, a 10 to one or 15 to one ratio between uh, hens and, and a rooster. So I separated them out and I had like, I don't know, um, a hundred roosters together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they'd have their, their quabbles and occasionally they'd pick on one and he, he wouldn't make it. But otherwise I still have a few of them, you know, uh, the biggest threat was the fox, but yeah. And, and so, so as long as there's no hen around, they'll get along. They, they figure it out. Of course, the neighbors just loved me having 50 roosters. <laughs> well, they always knew when morning was came. Yes. Your neighbors. Early. Your, your, your neighbors, Early. that is. Right, right. So I thought I'd uh, start how off. Old, wait a minute. How old are those roosters that you still have around? Oh, well, they would be, I think, three years. What are you, what are you keeping them for? Oh, because I think there's going to be a shortage of roosters. Oh, well, there you go. Hoarding the, you're storing you know, up hoarding like, the roosters for the big market to come. It, well, well, yeah. If you if you look <laughs> at it, it's an experiment, and so so um, if well, you look at the family farms, right? Mm -hmm. Very few have roosters. Right, right? I know. They, yeah, they because they are they're loud and they're a nuisance in that in that regard. But you can't have baby chickens unless you have a rooster and a hen. And people miss this. But I agree with all that, except when you have a rooster, there are several roosters that are three years old. Their 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 D Day is coming because their life expectancy isn't much more than that on their own. I think they can get easily up to five to, to eight. Really? Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, the, the biggest. They're going to have to live a life in a penthouse. Yeah. The, 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 the deterrent is uh, the fox. You know. <laughs> right. And, um, yes. And so, so you know, I look at my neighbors, you know, the, the guys that are raising birds, um, you know, for meat and for eggs, they generally don't have roosters. They, they right. order their. They order their chicks from these um, micro uh, businesses of uh, of um, hatcheries, and and they're they're sent you know just in time delivery one day. So the hatchery for us is um, about uh, an hour and a half away in um, Quakertown, New uh, Pennsylvania, or in Ohio. Well, it's like eight hours away. Well, what happens when the uh, you know, the just-in-time delivery system stops. And even more so, I, I checked on the hatchery. They get their eggs, their fertilized eggs, from Arkansas. Mm -hmm. So so even in these local small hobby farms, if you don't have the ability to incubate, when the system goes down, that's it. You need the rooster. So there's going to be a lot of shortages of roosters. The, just to be clear, in case somebody was confused, JC did not say that the incubator replaces the need for the rooster. Right. You still need a rooster and an incubation, but the hen could do the incubation. The hen could do the incubation. But you can't do any of it without a rooster. 
But yeah, but trying to talk her into it is very difficult. <laughs> so. you no, know, it seems like this is going to be a very elementary discussion, but we now have a segment of society that doesn't grasp that you have to have a rooster and you have to have a hen. Yeah, that part's true. Yeah, that part is true. And and one time I was delivering eggs to a local market, and there was a young girl behind the counter who was like twenty years old, and she was stunningly, stunningly beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then she looks at me straight, and she's there with her friend from college, you know, another girl, and she looks at me straight in the face and goes, "Well, how come? Well, then, uh, how do how do you get baby chickens?" And and I'm there like I'm looking at her. Uh, and I like I turned red. I looked at her friend. I said, "You explain it to her." <laughs> <laughs> right. So. Uh, so anyway, <clears throat> just to be clear, the fact that she was stunningly beautiful was just an addition to the situation. It in no way, shape, or form contributed to her lack of mental clarity on how we got chickens. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, so so I, I thought this was a good way to start off uh, today. Proverb 27.12. Wise people see trouble coming and get out of the way, but fools go straight to the trouble and suffer for it. Hmm. Now, 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 one of the things with the Bible is when you open up the, you know, and you look at a, a one phrase, you'll get like 20 different versions of it, you know, of, of translation. So another way of saying Proverb 12. I mean, twenty-seven, twelve 12 is a prudent man seeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and suffer for it. So, so what we're seeing, you know, we're, we're, we're prudent men. We're looking at this whole world is, is starting to collapse. And <laughs> so we see the trouble coming and we get out of its way, which is what prepping is. Uh, unfortunately, last week, three times, I told people in public setting that when I see a fire, I run to it. So I'm not sure I'm on the right end of that little proverb. We'll be back with well, more. Well, that's a little J- bit different. J.C. Well, Cole, pick it up right there after this. Right off the bat today, I want to remind you about running water, thanks to electricity. Actually, name the things you can't thank electricity for. How many things have you come accustomed to that without electricity can't make happen? Hmm? Lignite Energy is the supply of reliable electricity. Get more details about Lignite, the coal. Life powered by coal at Lignite.com. Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Luce alongside J.C. Cole, who I think was at the close there trying to make up for my foolishness well first well, i thought he called me you... a fool then tried to say no 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 it's it's just like uh when you it, it depends on how you define fire but you got to put out the fire which is the uh, is the trouble coming right so there was a great article put out which i recommend if people have time to search and find it was by the organic prepper uh site which is a great site to to read articles on um, and, it, and it's basically, you know, how security woes make a food crisis even worse. Uh, cattle, poultry, and crop theft. Okay. And it's, a, it's an article on Venezuela 
um, on the multiple problems that the people in Venezuela are facing, and uh, including the economic crisis, the political unrest, crime, and the infrastructure that's uh, collapsing. And I, I, oftentimes people have said, we're heading towards being Venezuela, which I agree with, except for we'll get in spades because of our population and our, our densities in the inner city. Apparently, there's a lot of chaos occurring in um, some select major cities around the country today that's not getting much exposure. That, that's true. There, there are these youth gathering riots, which they're just going in and, and devastating uh, stores. Uh-huh. And so that's a very complex issue. But, you know, I would just looked at the big picture. Martin Armstrong has a very accurate prediction system. And he says that we are going to go into massive social unrest this year. And now we're seeing it happen. Yeah. And it's not getting much attention. No, it's not. It's, and, it's not. and that's that's a double edged sword, JC, because if you give it more attention, then you you incite uh, copycats to go do more in other places. So I don't know that it's a bad thing. That that part's true. And then of course most of the uh most of the big cities are democratically run. And it's almost like these people are brainless, you know, and and you know, well, we'll just defund the police. Oh good. So now we have we have uh the catalysts um, are, are all you need is a catalyst and you have an explosion. And, and even worse is, you know, it's something like 15 percent of uh, Americans are on EBT cards, which is what food stamps are. And that's an electronic debit card, which. When technology fails, that stops. You know, I, I think New York City has 22 percent of its population on food stamps. What happens when that stops? I have to give you uh, major public credit here because in the last week I've done some interviews where I was interviewed on different stations like KLZ and in Denver with Kim Munson. Kim does a great job. But there's a, a large number of people who are growingly concerned about their food product, food supply, and in particular vaccines being injected in the food and then somehow inoculating those of us who choose not to be jabbed. It's not a vaccine. Jabbed. And, you know, I, I put all of that into context with a bit of data that you provide to me, which is, is huge. You talk about 15% on EBT cards. When you have 87% of the United States households relying upon a federal government or municipal water supply what more degree of risk do you need than that in itself because right. if, if yeah. i have a barn full of, of livestock whether it be pigs chickens or cows the simplest way to get a, a common uh, a base load of antibiotics or whatever it is into those animals is through the water supply it's it's very efficient you don't need to worry about the food you don't need to worry about what they eat you put it in a water no. supply because people drink every day. Animals drink every day. There's no greater degree of vulnerability than what's going on with 87% of the households being on a government-supplied water system. Right. And now now if you look a little bit of expand that, um, there was a train derailment uh, this week um, uh, in Rockwood, Maine, and uh, with potentially hazardous materials right next to their water supply or the, the river leading into the reservoir. You know, and you, you, we, we just look 
um, it's amazing at the, the, the dangerous position the entire country is in. And of course, what do we have for leadership? We, we right? do not. Right. And uh, actually, Lee Iacocca um, wrote a book in the 80s saying, you know, we're Amer basically we're Americans leaders. You know, and, and so we've been suffering from leadership for a couple of decades. Mm -hmm. Right. And then and what happens, it looks like the world leadership has been uh, basically captured and doing just amazingly dumb things like um, uh, one example. They now <laughs> an article appeared. Rice is now killing the planet. Yeah, apparently. go figure. Right. They're blaming they're blaming rice for 10% of global emissions of methane. I guess we have farting rice. Right. And and um and they're 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 claiming that uh you know that that's one of the main stables Three. for the entire globe for people. And Ironic way, you, you bring that up because I just wrote my column this morning before we started about that very topic. Three billion people a day in the world rely on rice as their main staple for nutrition. Right. Three we billion. should expand that. We should expand that a little bit for some of the preppers because rice is the one of the best, least expensive ways to store some food. Not all, but some. Right. I can run the numbers on it, but uh yeah, a bag of rice should be today, I think about $25, a 50 pound bag of rice should be about $25. And that should feed one person for one month. Okay, now you don't want to eat just rice, um, but that gives you an idea. Um, and of course, you want to balance that off with beans, which has better, better um, uh, nutrients. And then if you're good enough to get the lentils, uh, lentils even have protein. Right. So, so here's another one. <laughs> this just popped up. New York mayor, I think his name is Adams, goes goes to war against meat and dairy as the climate agenda escalates. And it's like, oh, okay, so you're going to tell New York City you're not allowed meat and dairy? I, I would say that's more <laughs> provoking a civil war. But but you know, so you you're you're kind of amazing today. I don't make it sound like that's a, a, a rare occurrence, JC. Thank you. Thank you. But literally, these are all the things I wrote my column about. So if well, you that's just... because that's because I check with Google um, um, uh, before I write my column and to see what you did. Right, yeah. they're watching you. <laughs> they're watching you. That's, Everything. <clears throat> that's really not funny. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you gotta laugh. Right. <laughs> so. This was very interesting because I wanted to know I wanted a ranking of the food items that are consumed per capita in terms of one one to ten or five or whatever. Do you know what number one is? No, I never looked at it that way. Um, I would guess um, either rice or beans. Right, that's what I would have guessed. Rice is actually number two, the food item that is consumed more than any other at seventy eight kilo. Per, per person, per capita, is dairy products. Is that in the world or is that in the U.S.? That's in the world. Okay. Around the world. There are some huge dairy-consuming nations that I had no idea about. But I got to tell you, J.C., you have to go look for dairy 
to see what it is. I only found one site that actually lists dairy products as the number one. Everybody else says it's rice. They just like exclude any animal product from the mix. They don't want you to know that it's dairy. And and that would include cheese and all the components that we consume from a dairy cow. It's 78 grams. Rice is at like 67 kilo average around the world. I'm talking about average around the world. And then that is followed by wheat, potatoes, and pork. Those are the top five. So you have two of the top five that come from an animal and you can't get anybody to really talk about that. They want you to just completely forget that these animal products are staples. Now, the interesting thing about that is the Eastern Bloc European countries are the big pork consumers. Poland's number one, Czechoslovakia, Germany, Lithuania. Those countries are at the top of the list. China gets all the credit because China does consume 50% of the pork in the world, but they're not big per cat. They eat more fish than they eat pork. And they eat 35 kilos of pork a year. The United States is 30 kilos of pork a year per person. But because you have 1.5 billion, 1.47 billion Chinese consuming 35 kilos of pork a year, they consume half the pork in the world. Yeah. I just find that all. Oh, my goodness. I got an issue. Roll route. J.C. Cole. I'm doing too much talking. More listening on this historic day. When's he going to bring up the historic part of April 19th, 2023? After this. Now, let's talk about the historic part of America and a free and fed society. This has been accomplished because of property rights. It's been accomplished because families take care of land and work at produce, uh, work improving it generation after generation. That is challenged. How do you maintain a free and fed America? You partner with somebody like Protect the Harvest who gets you details on a minute's notice. And it's all available right here on the website, protecttheharvest.com. Sign up for the free newsletter today. Welcome back, Trent. <laughs> Roll out. I'm just about started everything all over, JC. You want to start over? We don't really need to. Nope. Let's just pick it up and keep on going. <laughs> carry the ball. Pick the ball up and carry it, Grant. So so let's look at a couple of things that happened, uh, I guess, in this week. Um, there was a, a, a large plastic factory in Indiana that caught on fire. And there again, you have, um, you know, um, you have uh, deadly fumes around you. You might have to evacuate. So you got to be ready to move. And I think the same happened um, uh, elsewhere in the country. Where was it? Um, uh, yeah, there was a large chemical plant um, in Brunswick, Georgia, and they, you know, the officials say shelter in place. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if I trust officials that much. No, uh, no, get 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 the animals. And by the way, also have the, have. The ability to get your dogs and cats and uh, and uh, other animals uh, out of there. So, so that that comes down to being prepared and ready to move. Um, we and then you our, looked at what JC. We <clears throat> fifty miles from my house. We had our own little situation this past weekend. Uh, it occurred Wednesday, last Wednesday. We could go today. There, uh, it's right on Highway Two, 
between Anselmo and Myrna, if you know Nebraska, which I know you're really well versed in the Sandhills of Nebraska, but along Highway Two, there is a, a BNSF rail system that hauls coal every day from Wyoming right past my house. So you can hear the the train, but the train set a spark, which I I don't understand why this don't happen more often, but the train on the track set a spark off. And ultimately, long story short, over three days, 34,000 acres burned at least one home. There were no human injuries or casualties. A couple of families got kind of cornered because the wind has just been horrific. But to think that the spark from the train could cause that and why it doesn't happen more is really the question. But yeah, 34,000 acres went up in toast. We, we, we also have a problem here in New Jersey, in southern New Jersey, that it's so dry down in the pine barrens that uh, there's forest fires and some people's houses went and they had to evac immediately mm-hmm. um, uh, from a fire. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things to look at is your fire protection, um, you know, around because our weather patterns are changing. Yeah, and no as doubt. we see, we see uh, what happened in uh, Fort Lauderdale. Um, they got one of those atmospheric rivers, which we've been talking about, where they get 20, basically 22 inches of rain in seven hours. Mm. And of course, Fort Lauderdale is flat. You know, and so um, um, the best thing I said, you know, you know, can say is don't live in flat areas. <laughs> or below um, sea level. Yeah, or below sea level. Uh, you would think, you would think that that would be a, a common sense one, but we don't want to go there. Common right? sense not so common anymore. And then we get this thing from from the World Economic Forum, one of our most hated uh, organizations. Water is not a human right. And the World uh, Economic Forum, uh, 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 let's say, it says uh, uh, orders governments to begin rationing water to homes. And did you did you pick up what uh, what California did was they I, I believe they passed it a, a law that says if you have a certain amount of income you have a set price on electricity so so they're they're saying to the customer that your use of electricity is not what's going to monitor, uh, be uh, um, used as uh, how much you pay. You just get a flat rate and use as much as you want, right? And could you imagine how the um, how uh, how the uh, Bitcoin harvesters are going to have a field day with that? Yeah, no kidding. All right. Well, I don't know how stupid you are. So you're you're now set it up financially to overload your electric grid. Right. I uh, thought you were going to go with um, the UN yesterday announced that uh, pedophilia and child sex was a right, a human right that we should acknowledge. I thought about that, but it was just so ugly. I didn't want to bring it up. It is ugly, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I get in conversations every day about how this child sex slave thing and pedophilia is more mainstream than anybody wants to know or talk about. And, you know, it's what brought you and I together, to be honest, because I saw Robert David Steele in um, a testimony somewhere. I don't even now know where it was, 
but that's what led me to him and what's ultimately led me to you. But boy, those, those books that he put together are quite timely now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's much, much uh, deeper and widespread than anybody can fathom. And then you, you take a look at it and you, you almost get sick to your stomach. And this came across my desk when I was president of the American Chamber of Commerce in Latvia, because there are many um, um, uh, human trafficking going on in Eastern Europe. And course, apparently, Ukraine is one of the worst places. You know, any place you have poverty and, and um, good-looking women, you'll, you'll see that. Uh, so, I mean, uh, literally, literally, I had a friend buy a woman um, and bring her back to Latvia. Yeah, he bought, uh, her, bought her from the Chechen mafia. Well, no, I'm sorry, Bulgarian mafia. I, I, I guess I have to ask you how you define a friend. Well, no, he he bought her freedom. Okay, now I'm now I'm liking your friend better. <laughs> yes, and because there's a uh, difference between buying a woman or and buying her freedom. Right. He 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 bought her freedom from the Bulgarian mafia and brought her back to Latvia. Right. So you know, I, I, I was I was just shocked. This is my first awareness of this stuff. So yeah. let's jump into into what happened this week in history of significance. I'm going to jump back to at least Saturday, April the 15th, 2013. Boston Marathon bombing was 10 oh, years ago. Really? 10, 10 years ago. It doesn't seem like it. Oh, but my it, goodness. Yeah. Where did 10 years go? That, 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 that is right. And, and this, this looks like a long-term plan. Uh, Wait a minute. Was it on today? No, oh, no. You no. said April, April 15th. The, April 15th, Saturday. That's okay. why I brought it in. Okay. Right. And I think we're going to find out some truths about this, which will shock some people um, in the, uh, when, when the truth is unveiled. So. Are you going to give us a hint? A uh, false flag. Okay. Right. So uh, April the 18th, this one we've discussed before, 1775, right? When Paul Revere and William Dawes uh, rode from Charleston to Lexington in the morning. You, you, you left out the, the woman, and the woman did more than those two dudes in terms of alerting people. What was her name? I, I don't think it was a woman. I think yeah, it was, was. A, doc, a doctor. Okay, you've got your homework then. Okay. Right. Samuel Samuel Prescott uh, actually um, joined them, and all three were captured, but uh, Prescott escaped from the troops, uh, the British troops, and was able to get to Lexington to warn them. Say, the, the, the challenge is that um, the, the great poem written by Longfellow only mentioned Paul Revere. And it looks like it's because Paul Revere rhymed. So the first, the first verse of, the, of the, the, the poem, listen, my children, and you shall hear of the midnight ride of Paul Revere. On the 18th of April in 75, hardly a man is now alive who remembers that famous day and year. So that was the beginning. It's a long poem, right? So I guess it didn't, you know, William Dawes didn't rhyme as well. Right. Now, that, that kind of leads into today, April 19th, 
1775, when it was the shot heard around the world, where British soldiers arrived in uh, Lexington and faced uh, 77 of the militia. Um, and nobody knows who started shooting, apparently, but the shot ended up and eight militia were killed and dozens were wounded. And um, and that was a complete rout by the, the British. And they moved on to Concord, which is, uh, I guess, about 10 miles away. Right. And um, and there sev several hundred militia met them. And uh, the Battle of uh, Old Northbridge happened. And the British turned and and uh, and I wouldn't uh, retreated, and then the the, um, the militia harassed them all the way back to Boston, um, hiding in the woods and shooting them, getting ahead of them and shooting them, and uh, that started the the siege of of Boston. Right? And of course that brought in General um, Washington, and so that was the start of our our, our freedom. 16-year-old Sybil Ludington. Okay. Rode her horse, Star, and actually alerted more people than Paul Revere and what was the other dude's name? William Dawes. William Dawes. Right. Okay. And here's another one. Eight, April 18th, 1906. San Francisco earthquake happened. Oh. And the fire kills nearly 4,000 people and destroys 75% of the city. And unfortunately, it looks like, you know, our earth is heating up in the inside. And we're getting volcanic activity and, uh, and an increase in earthquakes. So that, that's a great concern. And why people live on a fault zone, I, I just don't understand. Same reason I really don't. Below the sea level. Stupidity. Roll out. Back with the last segment. J.C. Cole after this. Let's talk about a beef supply you can count on. Count on for being tender. Count on for being from producers you can trust. Great Plains cattlemen have worked together to produce a supply of beef called Certified Piedmontese. There is a plethora of protein, not just in the beef category, but all proteins, available on the website, certifiedpiedmontese.com. The largest ground beef plant in the state of Nebraska today is owned by the Certified Piedmontese folks. It's about getting you a supply of nutrition. And we're talking about the nutrient-dense beef items that we all need to feed our immune system, to feed our mental health, and to feed our bodies. Not only that, the cattle contribute to improving the environment. Certified Piedmontese is the answer. Get more details by going to the website, certifiedpiedmontese.com. You can join the club. You can subscribe, get regular email newsletters, and the graphics are fantastic. Certifiedpiedmontese.com. Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Lewis, alongside J.C. Cole. Already, we are just like 10 years goes by like that. This segment goes by like that. Last segment. That, that is true. So continuing on, because it looked like it was a busy week, April 19th, 1995, Oklahoma City bombing in the Murray Building by Timothy McVeigh and uh, killing 168 and injuring 500. Well, I think we're going to find some news on that because that was definitely a false flag. And um, there's um, 
um, it was linked, in my opinion, to the cabal. And uh, by by coincidence, all of the documents from the Keating Five and the Silverado Bank uh, um, uh, uh, collapse were in the in that building and got destroyed. And that led into such uh, senators as John McCain, and also one of the Bushes was on the board of Silverado. So, of course, nothing suspicious going on there, right? Um, yeah, and and uh, it was a it was a federal building, and by coincidence, uh, all of the ATF were not in the building um, at uh, what was it nine o'clock in the morning or something like that. Hmm. Yeah, by coincidence, nothing, nothing, nothing suspicious here. Right, and then here's one I think we can talk about a little bit. Not many people know, but um, we're around April twentieth, nineteen eighty-three. President Reagan signs a hundred and sixty-five billion dollar bailout for Social Security. You go, wait, wait, wait a second. Social Security? You mean all that money we chipped in that the government was to put in trust, that the government spent, and then our tax dollars bailed it out. So we got to pay twice. Got it. Okay. Um, How many billion was that uh, bailout? $165 billion. Okay. Well, that's just about the amount that we sent to uh, Ukraine. Just yeah. a little uh, yeah. So so people don't know that um, uh, before FDR got in, we had social safety nets that basically were ran by the towns. And that, those would be the poor farms mm -hmm. um, and poor houses. And if you ever you probably can remember, you know, one of your old men saying, um, you're going to send me to the poor house. Yeah, absolutely. Well, right. Well, in some ways, that was. A better in some ways that was a better system because the local people would see who really needed the help and who was milking the system right and so the people who really needed the help went to the poor house and actually our farm is a poor farm it was the poor farm for the local area and so in uh, august 14 1935 fdr uh, signed in the act of the social security which I believe we need social safety nets. The problem when they have a federal one that big is that it get, gets abused, right? Badly, right? And and so and and it changes over time. So if originally it was just uh, for some unemployed and some lump sum uh, benefits and cover some of the right retirees, and then it expanded and expanded and expanded into this monster that we now have, right? And then, uh, what was it? it um, um, it be, uh, when uh, Reagan signed it, it began to generate large short-term surpluses of funds. So Congress decided to invest these funds in U.S. Treasury securities. Oh, okay. So you took the money we pay and you invested in your government debt got it okay right and and so in the write-up it was wonderful right so um invested in u.s treasury securities held by the social security trust fund 
Under the law, the government bonds held by Social Security are backed by the full faith and credit of the U.S. government. Um, I think we have a problem. <laughs> yes. I disagree with you. I don't believe we need any federal safety net. I didn't say federal safety net. I said I believe we need safety nets. I think probably better is is, is state. No, I don't believe any government safety net at all. It should all be of the community, the community and the church. The challenge there is you will get, I thought about this, you'll get regional areas that are really poor that need funding. You know, let's just take Appalachia and, 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 uh, uh, and West Virginia as an example. You know, and, and so the, the, the local area doesn't have money to, to really sustain it. I, I saw this in Latvia. You know, you'd get the big cities that, that had some form of support, but you get out into the country and there was no support at all. Yeah, I, I disagree with that. I think the people in the s suburbia and inner city are at more risk than the people in Appalachia because those people, while their their financial statements say they're poor, they know you don't need you're not teaching them anything about being a survivalist. They're they've been preppers their entire life for generations. They know how to survive on nothing. Hold on there. And uh, you're looking at the average person out in the, the countryside. And I agree. They know how to survive. Mm -hmm. It's the ones that have a problem, right? Either they got handicapped or, um, 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 you know, a temporary solution or stuff like that. That system doesn't exist in, in like Eastern Europe. I saw it. Yeah. So... You know, um, I think uh, you're not going to convince me that government sponsors safety nets are good for anybody. Um, yeah, OK, we agree to disagree. I would say but then there's a, there has to be controls over it that are monitored. And then like almost every other government program, especially federal government, it gets Shanghai for votes and then turns into this monolith, this monster. And now now we're there. So, so, you know, what happens when that breaks? And actually, that's what happened to the Soviet Union. You yeah. know, all the pensions disappeared. Right. And, you know, and, and uh, you know, that's one of our big threats. We are a union of states. We have 50 different countries under one federal umbrella. And if that federal umbrella breaks, how we don't even have a currency to exchange. How, how are we going to exchange, you know, goods from Nebraska to to South Dakota if there's no currency. That's a bad right? example. And what about the war? Bad example because those of us in Nebraska and South Dakota will make it work. I don't know how the folks in New Jersey and Pennsylvania are going to make it work. Right. Well, I, I was just being polite, kind of handing it over. <laughs> yes. And, 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 you know, and actually you can go down to a New Jersey coin store and find currency from back in 1700s that New Jersey had and Pennsylvania had and, oh. and New York. Oh, I didn't research this, JC, uh, but I heard several, several people talking about the 2 million dime theft that occurred in an oh, armored yes. truck somewhere. And everybody's like, why would you steal 2 million dimes? And, uh, and it's like, what were those dimes made out of? I think I can figure this out. 
Yes, I, I, it depends on if they were uh, 1964 pre or not. But, um, you know, first of all, it was money. And, and second of all, what happens, especially for silver, if you look at the, the, the U.S. dime, is the smallest denomination of silver. And it doesn't make any sense to forge it because it's too tiny. So it's going to be one of the safest exchange currencies Mm -hmm. If our system breaks, the U.S. Uh, pre-64 uh, dimes, they have 90% silver in them. And um, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm sitting here going, boy, I wouldn't mind having those dimes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then the, I mean, people are just so lacking for the bigger picture here. And then several of the people who were talking about, they're like, well, that would weigh a lot. They'd have to have a forklift. Oh, really? They're not just some Joe thug off the street walking by picking up a sack of money. They they had a plan. And there was yes. a reason they had a plan. Right, right. And uh, this is giving an indication what's going to happen. You know, we're going to see crime just go through the roof. And we started off with that uh, that article from the Organic Prepper on what's happening in Venezuela. And 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 this is this is going to be brutal. Yeah, we're here now. Two minute warning. Anything in history we have not gotten to? That's a, that's quite enough for one week in history. I got to say. Yeah. Well, we get the shot hurled around the world, and, <laughs> and our social security system that looks like it's going to uh, collapse. And and uh, yeah, and, and um, Oklahoma City, which at the time I clearly remember. I remember how violated i felt and i wasn't anywhere close to oklahoma city but it was uh it it, it was a precursor to the 911 incident because it, it appeared to be a, an attack upon the us infrastructure yes and and um and uh, bush fingerprints are all over both of them and then even bring it a little closer if you'll remember at the time they were blaming agriculture and yes. there were many rules and regulations that came into handling anhydrous ammonia and fertilizers and different components as a result of that one incident. And all you have to do is do a little common sense and say how much tons they said of uh, fertilizer. And you go, wait a minute, that was a basic van. You can't fit that amount of weight into it. And, and you can light and explode fertilizer, but it doesn't blow off the front of the building. Yeah. Yeah, you also you should track down uh, Dr. I think Bill Deagle because he he was there. He went he went in and 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 uh, it, apparently they had to send in specialists to remove some of the explosives which were not detonated. Oop, we shouldn't oh. say that. Yeah. Well, right. actually, you can't say anything else. You got 15 seconds. Closing parts parts of wisdom. Well, yes, if um, I'd recommend uh, if you can do it, get a freeze dryer um, because it's uh, one of the best ways to long uh, store food long term if you don't have it on the hoof. That'll do it. We have successfully journeyed down the road, connecting food producers to food consumers and helping you prepare for what is coming. For J.C. Cole, I'm Trent Luce, both of us reminding you that all roads do lead to a roll route. Saying thank you to our first responders, saying thank you to our veterans. 
It should just be inherently within us that we would want to say thank you to those men and women who've done so much for our freedom, just like the days of the All-America Beef Battalion, which are still going. They're not in the past. We're not in the the heyday of what we did. That's how we got to 500,000. And whatever your mechanism, I, I really don't think there's one way to say thank you. There's quite frankly not a better way than just walking up to someone wearing a cap that says Pearl Harbor, says Vietnam vet, and say thank you. The Wall of Honor does that in a very unique way that is very community-focused. Check it out online and replicate it in your town, thewallofhonor.org.